Hello and welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care podcast. My name is Andy Neil. Um, today we're going to talk about drowning. So one would think that the term drowning should be relatively straightforward. However, there have been a plethora of descriptions including wet drowning, dry drowning and near drowning. These have all been officially retired and the Utstein guidance on the matter describes drowning as, in quotation marks, a process resulting in primary respiratory impairment from submersion or immersion in a liquid medium, close quotation marks. If you happen to have been immersed in a liquid medium with respiratory impairment but survived, then the term non-fatal drowning seems to be perfectly acceptable. As a brief tangent, uh, given that this is going to be a shorter than usual podcast, the Utstein guidelines that you hear talked about with cardiac arrest, these refer to a, a 1990 European Society of Cardiology meeting regarding cardiac arrest at Utstein Abbey on the island of Klosteroy in Norway. Um, and knowing that the significant output of Augustinian abbeys is often um, excellent beer, then I suspect that many members of the ESC committee probably spent quite a lot of time immersed in a liquid medium themselves. Um, but that's pure speculation. So more usefully, the pathophysiology of drowning could be described as follows. So when underwater, we sensibly engage in some voluntary breath holding. This, in combination with the cold, induces a reflex bradycardia and vasoconstriction. And on those of us uh, who have treated SVT in babies will attest to, this reflex is much stronger in the tinies than it is in adults. The profound reflex in kiddos may be one of the reasons why they have better outcomes than adults. They get cold before they drown and they get cardiac arrest Um and that's probably protective. So the key thing is there, you get cold first, then you drown, and you have your cardiac arrest when you're already cold. The usual thing that we tend to see in adults is that people have a cardiac arrest and then they get cold, and that's a much more common thing and does not seem to be protective. Once the breath holding is broken, um, water will hit the cords and you might get some laryngospasm, but eventually water enters the lungs. Despite being physiologically interesting, there does not seem to be any substantial difference in salt versus freshwater drowning. We, we do often get excited about the perceived filth of the water as an indication for antimicrobials, but in reality, all outdoor water sources that you might drown in will have bugs in it. Pneumonia will occur in about 15%, and perhaps one bug to remember naming an exam might be Aeromonas. Treatment is pretty much as expected in a cardiac arrest scenario, but it would seem prudent to pay rather more attention to the airway than it would do to the getting the defibrillation pads in this kind of context. There may well be a role for early bronchoscopy to remove debris from the lungs, um, or perhaps more interestingly to see if you can acquire an image for your next publication showing the world's first seahorse in a bronchus. Um, of note, O's manual quotes a 45% survival to discharge with cardiac arrest from drowning, which is markedly higher than other forms of cardiac arrest, but I suspect this refers to the swimmer witness to get into trouble uh, and quickly removed to the shore. Uh, the references and justifications to this podcast can be found in O's manual chapter 82, the deranged physiology article on the subject, and the life in the Fastlane critical care compendium. Thanks again for listening.